Hello, my name is Donnie Smith, and I'm the pastor here at Ascension Christian Center in Apopka, Florida. I hope this message changes, impacts, and challenges you in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you enjoy the message, you can connect with us on our website, Facebook, or Instagram at Ascension Christian Center. Thank you, and enjoy. Micah chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. Verses 1 through 7. And I will begin reading. Just bear with me one moment. And it says this. Everybody say this is the latter days we're living in. So this is what Micah says about the days in which we're living in and what we can expect. It says, now it shall come to pass in the latter days. Are we in the latter days? I said, are we in the latter days? It says, in the last days or in the time that this will come to pass, that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on the top of the mountains. Somebody say, get ready. Come on, look at somebody really and say, get ready. It says in the, in the latter times that the mountain of the Lord's house, this is his house, it shall be established on the top of the mountains and it shall be exalted above the hills and all the peoples shall flow to it. Many nations shall come and say, come, let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the Lord, the God of Jacob, and he will teach us his ways and we shall walk in his paths. For out of Zion, the law shall go forth and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem and he shall judge between many peoples and rebuke strong nations afar off. Does this sound like the day that we're living in right now? And they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spear, spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up his sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. But everyone shall sit under his vine and under his fig tree, and no one shall make them afraid. For the mouth of the Lord of the host has spoken, for all people will walk each in the name of his God, but we will walk in the name of the Lord our God forever and ever. And in that day, says the Lord, I will assemble the lame, and I will gather the outcast and those whom I have afflicted, and I will make the lame a remnant. Look at somebody and say, you're looking at a remnant here. Come on, look at somebody else and say, you're looking at a remnant here. And the outcast, a strong nation. And so the Lord will reign over them in Mount Zion from now on and forever. You may have your seat. Can we just give a hand clap of praise to God for the worship team? Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for putting up with sometimes my shenanigans and my long-windedness. Today I want to minister from this, this quick subject, and I truly do not know what the Lord wants to do this morning. Um, I used to live my life uh, knowing what God wanted to do in meetings, and I, I felt myself being more and more um, useless. If we could turn that down just a hair, if we can have one of our leaders uh, help uh, with, that, uh, with that device. Sometimes when you know too much, we get in the way. Sometimes when we, uh, think, we think we can discern what God is wanting to do, our flesh gets in the way. I don't know about you, but I, I have this thing in me that is always wanting to help God. <laughs> Has anybody ever tried to help God before? And uh, I think that when we know too much, and I, know, I don't know if you're an individual like me, I, I want to know what month it's going to happen. You know, I need to know the coordinates, the GPS, you know, when he's going to bless me with the next level, when he's going to fill the church, when he's going to, you know, fulfill these certain promises in my life. But oftentimes when we need to know too many details, we affect the master plan that God has established before the foundations of the world. So many times God will 
if you are not willing to walk by faith and not by sight, God will create circumstances whereby you are forced to walk by faith and not by sight, where you're not going to have all the details and everything around you starts to go wrong. The foundation that you once stood on, the job that you found security in, everything around you begins to shake. Some, for some people, it's health issues, not to say that God causes health issues, but because he's God and he's sovereign, he can use all things to work. You know, what does that scripture say? Come on, somebody help me. He works out some things, all things together for those, for good, for those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. So God can use anything. Look at somebody and say, did you know he can use that thing too? He can use that thing too. And so, but as I'm reading this particular scripture in Micah, and Micah is not a major prophet. In the Bible, in the Old Testament, there are major prophets. Say major. I do this to help it sticks better. And plus, I grew up in an African-American church. It just, it stuck with me. So you're going to have to bear with me. There are major prophets and there are minor prophets. Say major and minor. There are some prophets, they were, there were many prophets, but there were some who had major roles in the developmental stage of the Old Testament. And there are some who played minor roles. There are some who had something very short and sweet to speak. And there are some that had, like Isaiah and like Jeremiah, those would be considered major prophets. But Micah is just a small little book. It's only a few books long. If I'm not mistaken, it actually is only about seven chapters long. So it's a pretty short chapter. But in this chapter, this is, this is before Jesus Christ. This is hundreds of years before Jesus would set foot on the earth. And, and he's giving this description of what latter days would look like. I, I mean, I, I love that phraseology that he uses because latter means not somewhere in between. Latter means the end times. Like this is what it's going to look like at the end. Is everybody listening to me? And, and do you know that that's exactly why I want to caution you about listening to certain ministers that are saying, we're going to see Jesus in this lifetime. Not that we're not going, because God can speed up things. The prophetic timeline can continue to unfold, and it's a possibility. But the Bible says that no man knows the day nor the hour. But, but I am saying the reason why I know it's not going to happen tomorrow is because the latter times in which we're living in right now don't look like this. D does everybody hear what I'm saying? Because in the latter times, there are specific things that are happening. He's saying there's not going to be any war. He's saying that the mountain of the Lord's hill is going to be established. Everybody say established. So there are things that are going to begin to unfold that are going to solidify what we're reading in this particular scripture. So God, I believe the Holy Spirit gave me this title called, What's Next? Somebody say, what's next? Look at somebody next to you and really like wait for an answer. They may, may or may not know. Ask them, what's, what's next? Come on, I don't, I don't see you asking. See, when people don't ask, I intentionally stare at them longer just so that they say something. Say, what's next? I can't tell you what's next, but I, what I can do, and as a servant of the Lord, it is critical to me personally that I do not preach based on feelings. I have to, I have to intentionally give myself over to Scripture reading and only teach that. Okay? Because we have to only declare and decree and preach what the word of God says. Everybody say amen. Okay. This will never be a church that esteems spirituality above what the scripture says. As you can see, we are very spiritual. But as long as it has equality with the word of God. As I said the other week, I can be here and go really high. But as soon as this starts happening... Spirituality inward down here, we got problems. Look at somebody and say, Pastor, don't want problems. What's next? I'll have to tell you this. I'm having fun this morning. What's going to happen next is first is that there's going to be a continued cleansing. Did you hear what I just said? I, I think it doesn't take a prophetess or a prophet 
or a seer prophet. I'm still kind of being funny. It doesn't, it doesn't take a genius to look around and, and not realize that there is a purging that is taking a place in the world and inside of the church. Yeah, I wish I had two or three hoopers in here that could at least say amen to that. What Jesus said, we're living in a time where he's separating sheep from the goats. If I were in the hood in Pine Hill still, which is where I grew up, I would say he's separating those who are real and those who are not real. He's, he's, he's shining light in dark places. He, he's, we are finding out what the body of Christ is made of. And if we don't have a relationship outside of our Sunday morning expression, I am telling you as a servant of the Lord, you have a heap of trouble ahead of you because you're going to have to have a spiritual backbone for what is coming. But for those of you who've trusted Jesus Christ as Savior and you want to do things his way on his timetable, there is a great future that lays ahead for you and for your family. Amen? Amen. So there's going to be this continued cleansing. But but here's the thing. I had to reverse because I felt like the Lord wanted me to drive that point home. Do we have that point there? Continued cleansing. Can we can we put it back up on the screen? Because I'm like, Lord, this in this particular scripture in Micah chapter four, it has nothing to do with purging. It gives only this descriptive of being in a blessed season. I mean, God's kingdom spreading like wildfire. There's no more wars. That means people aren't going to be at odds with each other. There's no more wars you know, in a community. There's no more wars, come on, in family between husband and wife. There's no more wars globally. There's no third world war. There's none of these descriptions given as Micah the prophet is declaring this. I, I'm, I, so so I'm, I'm looking at the scripture. I'm saying, Lord, why are you having me drive this point about this continued cleansing. Because Micah's saying the Lord's house is going to be established. People are going to flow to it. Nations will come. So not just the neighborhood. So get ready for the church to be full. Somebody say, get ready. ready. That's exciting. The Lord will teach us his way. There will be no more war. I'm just giving you some of these highlights within this particular text. Many, meaning many will serve God meaning your loved one who's afar off, who's a heathen right now, who doesn't look like they want anything to do with God or the church, they will come to the knowledge of truth. Why? Because God's going to be pouring out his spirit in such a way. He's going to be pouring out such a conviction in the heart that the hardest heart will not be able to resist. Am I talking slow enough back there? Okay. I got a sign that I'm supposed to slow down. Like, I grew up with Spanish people, yet I'm Southern, and it makes me talk fast, and I want everybody who's non-English speaking to be able to follow me this morning. And, and so, so I, want, I want to underline that one more time. It says, I will make the lame a remnant and the outcast a strong nation, and so the Lord will reign over them in Mount Zion from now on and forever. Everybody say forever. So, so this sounds almost like a little bit like the prayer that you know my mother taught me as a little boy. We didn't grow up in a religious home, but she did teach me Jesus' prayer. And it says something like this, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in this church only, in my family only. What is it? Oh, it said that. It said, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. So people in and outside of the church, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I don't know about you, but it sounds, this scripture that I'm reading in Micah sounds a little bit, just a little bit like heaven. Does this, is, is that just me? Or? And so you might be saying to yourself, what in the world does this have to do with cleansing? I don't see it anywhere in the scripture. Now, chapter four, you're right. Chapter four says nothing about the Lord cleansing or a spiritual awakening unless you read the previous chapter. And I am not a historian, but what I love to do is read history. And I love to keep record of God on how he moves because God wasn't born a Methodist, but there is a methodology to him. That was like a part you should have laughed, so I won't use that again. He's not a Methodist, but he does have methodologies. 
He has methodologies to get you to your destiny. I want to just make this a little practical. Can I, can I switch? God's a Methodist. He has methods. And where he, and I've learned this about his methods. See, I couldn't hear his voice as a young boy. I felt the nudge of the Holy Spirit. So because I wasn't raised in a home, I wasn't raised around scripture, God couldn't easily get to my heart. So what I found out, how God deals with a hardened heart, he uses painful circumstances to speak to them. I was talking to a good friend of mine. I believe it was yesterday. No, it was Friday. And this person was saying, I'm praying for this person, and I'm praying that the Holy Spirit speaks to them. And I said to her, now this isn't always the case, but as a minister, I have found that this is the most of the case. Can I tell you one of God's little secrets? I don't feel he'll mind too much. But this is what I have learned. I said to her, and it just came out of my mouth, and, I, and you know, some things a minister shouldn't say. I, I said it, and it was too late. I couldn't reel it back in. I said, he can't hear the Holy Spirit. And he won't hear the Holy Spirit. Because there, what sin does to the heart is it calluses your spiritual heart, and it also calluses your ears, and you can't hear him for yourself. Do you hear what I'm saying? But, so what the Lord will do is he'll create circumstances whereby he speaks to you. So he'll speak through a painful circumstance. When the believer is not listening and getting the instruction, if, listen, if we, can't, if we won't listen to his word, his instruction through his word, if we won't uh, look at a family circumstance that they've been through, how God is trying to speak to us through that circumstance, and we won't hear the Holy Spirit, guess what God will allow to happen? Things to happen if you're not getting it to cause you to have this awakening and this thought of, hmm, maybe God is trying to speak to me through this. I want to learn the first way. Just speak to me through your word. Don't create hardship and pain in my life. So, so if, he's, if we're not going to listen to mom and dad, if we're not going to listen to pastor, if we're not going to listen, come on, through the, through, by the Holy Spirit, if we're not going to listen to the spirit of the living God, God will allow certain things to happen so that he can get his message to you. Look at somebody and say, do things God's way. And so, so I, I reversed in the scriptures and all throughout history, biblical history and U.S. history. I've studied revivals and it is the same thing over and over. Number one, this is not in my notes. Number one, it started by prayer, not sermons. It started with a man or a woman or a group of people getting together Looking at a community, looking at the world, having a broken heart for it, getting together and praying and believing God for spiritual awakening. Number two, there was usually great world disasters that were happening simultaneously that sparked this fervor or this fervency to prayer. And by way of that, that, that painful situation that was happening in prayer, God was using as the spark. That is the spark and that is the fuel that creates great awakenings in communities. Did you hear what I said? Brokenness and prayer is what causes great awakenings and revival. And so as I backed up one chapter, because I'm seeing this and I'm saying to the Lord in my heart, Lord, this all sounds great. The mountains and the hills are going to be flooded with your spirit. People are going to flood to the church. There's going to be this great awakening. There's not going to be any more war. There's not going to be any more pain. Everybody's going to be in church. I'm like, for a pastor, that sounds really great. But I went to Micah chapter 3 and verses 1 through 4, and I almost couldn't stomach. I, I couldn't even hardly believe that this was in the same book. So I re rewinded, and I looked at Micah chapter 3. Can I read it to you? And it says this, 1 through 4. And I said, hear now, O heads of Jacob, and you rulers of the house of Israel. This could speak to our government symbolically. It is not for you to know justice, you who hate good and love evil, who strip the skin from my people and the flesh from their bones who also eat the flesh of my people. It's just speaking of devouring, and this is not talking about cannibalism. It's talking about destroying a nation and not leading well. Flay their skin from them, break their bones, and chop them in pieces like meat for the pot, like flesh in the cauldron. 
This is the reason why I'm here, this last verse. Then they will cry to the Lord, but he will not hear them. So just a couple verses before I read this amazing, seeming awakening, God is saying, they will cry to the Lord, but he will not hear them. He will even hide his face from them at that time because they have done evil in their deeds. What am I trying to say? Cleansing always precedes any great move of God. And if you're seeing a particular pattern in your life where you're feeling stressed, where everything seems to be going wrong, where there's a cleansing of relationships, where there's a cleansing of some type of job opportunity, or whatever it might be, or there might be something simply going on inside of you internally. Come on, does anybody know what I'm talking about? It's not going on out here. It's going on in here. It's because cleansing is always an indication that God is about to do something great. Look at somebody and say, don't get discouraged. God is cleaning up some things. Come on, stay with me. Say, God's cleaning up some things. Get ready for a move of God. My wife goes through this... Um, she goes through this thing once a year, okay? And uh, it's what I call the cleaning twitch. It's something happens around springtime and she, you know, she starts to like twitch a little bit and something starts going wrong. And now after now being mar married several years, I just, I pull the kids aside and I just say, hey, listen, mommy's going through something right now. She's going to be playing Captain Planet just for the next few days. How many remember who Captain Planet? Wind, water, earth. Come on, you guys didn't grow up with the cartoon? Cleaning the planet up, picking up everything in the house, and you better get it out of the way when Captain Planet shows up. So I pull them aside and I say, listen, don't worry, mommy. I promise she's gonna return back to normal. We just have to give her a couple of days and um, just steer clear of her for a few days. It's, it's gonna be okay. And she starts pulling pieces of furniture out. And there's cat hair. It's a good reason to get rid of cats. Um, she still loves the cat. And I'm just counting the days down. But anyway, <laughs> there's cat hair. There's debris. There's toys that the kids haven't seen in forever. Uh, she starts scrubbing the grout lines in the bathroom. I mean, hands and knees looking, you know, how Forrest Gump and his buddy, you know, got on the ground and, you know, she does all of this thorough cleaning and, and I'm good with picking up things, but she gets really thorough. She has what we call a beaver personality. You know, somebody, people have this uh, lion personality and you don't know what, you know, I have the lion personality. It's that person who's forward, who's assertive, and then you have the beaver personality that you're the only one who sees the nick on the wall, and you're like, how do you not see that? Or you're the one who sees the blemish on your, what do you call that, foundation? You're the only one who sees it. It's because you have a beaver personality. You're very detailed. Well, she has that beaver personality. She searches high, she searches low, looking for any little, you know, dust particle. But, but God works this way throughout history as well. He has this personality because the Lord has a personality. Did you know that? And so, so before he creates comfort, have you ever cleaned the house and then you, after the cleansing is done, you get to enjoy ah, and it just feels better in the house? I seen somebody just take a deep breath just now. They just got into the moment with me. They, they, they feel clean. Everything seems cleaner. The air is cleaner. God does this throughout history. He comes along and he starts cleaning house and disrupting things. Now, see, I've learned to get away from my wife, but there are many people who are trying to get in the way of God's cleansing process. That's what you're seeing in the nation right now. And so where I oftentimes get frustrated, now I've learned to go fishing or something or get out of the way or help a little bit. But if I try to help too much, and that's where we get in trouble with the Lord is when we try, to, we try to help him clean too much. Somebody say, get out of the way. Look at somebody else and say, get out of the way. 
I have learned to get out of the way because her cleansing methodologies, because of her beaver personality, is much better than mine. And can I tell you that God is not up in heaven right now, wringing his hands, wondering, why are they acting like this? They're not getting it. God is in the process of doing some spring cleaning, not just in the United States, not just in Florida, but the world. Come on, somebody say amen to that. And I try to reason with her. She doesn't reason when she's in that mode. Come on, is there any ladies in here who know what I'm talking about? Come on, teenagers, tell on your mom and dad right now, or your mom in particular. I try to reason with her because as chapter three says, when they're going through that and, and they will cry to the Lord, but he will not hear them, she doesn't hear me. I cry to her, she doesn't hear me. And it says he will even hide his face from them at that time. But listen, God works through his silence. There are many people with prophetic voices who have prophesied this or that. And this scripture is prophesying that that would be the case in the latter days when the latter rain is coming. So, so God is working through silence and seemingly not saying anything. But can I tell you, God is speaking loud and he's speaking clear in your life, in my life, and in the nation's life because our silence, or excuse me, God's silence is saying something. Did you hear what I just said? I said, God's silence is saying something. He's saying that we have drifted, that we have gone astray, that we have gone all to our own way, and it's time and high time that we shift gears and go from doing things our way into his way. Amen? And what is he up to? Somebody say, what is he up to? He wants to establish something. He's up to something. God doesn't allow everything that you see happening for no reason. He's up to something. Say, he's up to something. He wants to establish something. It says this, now it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established. Cleansing always precedes God establishing something. Say establish. I looked up that word establish. And it means this, to set up an organization, a system, on a firm or permanent basis. When I'm reading Micah chapter 4, it sounds like God is setting up something that's not going to just... See, revivals come and go. I love revivals. I'm a revivalist at heart. But revivals come and go. But the kingdom that God is going to set up on earth as it is in heaven, we're coming to a, a climax to where after the cleansing process is done, that God is going to establish something that is immovable and unshakable. Did you hear what I just said? So God is cleansing so he can set up his kingdom. Now, what does a contractor do before setting up or building a new home. There is a contractor in here or someone who works in the building industry like I do myself. The first thing they do is put in front-end loaders to come demo and lay the groundwork and lay the foundation. They come to clean before they establish. Did you hear what I said? Somebody say God's establishing something. So, so God is coming into the U.S. He's coming into the globe to give us this realization of how far we've drifted, number one. Number two, he's coming to cleanse things, cleanse the ground so that when he comes to set up his kingdom, it's on a firm, immovable foundation. Does everybody hear what I'm saying? And listen, the Holy Spirit spoke something to me. It was either yesterday or this morning that God has no problem elevating a person or a nation. He has no problem with that. God looks for people to use. He's looking this morning. His eyes search to and fro. Who is usable for me? Who is willing? But the problem is, is when God blesses that person or a nation, namely the U.S., they begin to think that it was them who got them there. This is the problem sometimes with God's blessings. And there is no problem with God's blessings. Let me just make that clear. But oftentimes, it's the recipient that's the issue. Because blessing has the way of blinding you if you're not careful. Did you hear what I said? Yes. Let's not forget that the scripture says that God shares his glory with no one. Hebrews 12, 
verse 28 says this, therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably without, with reverence, excuse me, and godly fear. With reverence and godly fear. Listen, if you want true assurance and stability, don't put your hope and trust in things that can be shaken. Did you hear what I said? The only reason that many of us struggle with anxiety this morning, there's nothing wrong with the news, okay? But there, there's something, I think, wrong with anything if you have too much of it besides God. But the reason that many people are dealing with fear and stress and worry is because of Instagram, Facebook, come on, Twitter, and you get inundated with all of this information and we're wondering why our hair is about to fall out. Instead of reading God's word where we get encouraged, we feel hopeful, we get, start getting full of faith. Come on, faith comes by and hearing what? The word of God. What are you hearing the most will determine your level of faith or your level of fear. And you're, whether you're in fear or whether in faith is a barometer or a gauge like a dashboard gauge. It's determining what you're putting in or not putting in. Amen? So if we want to live on something that's stable, something that's secure, don't put your trust in things that, cannot, that can ultimately be moved because God's kingdom is the only kingdom described in the word that will never be shaken. Amen? And I believe that that's what God is up to. He is up to establishing a firm foundation that no wind can tear down, no government can take down, and not even the church can get in the way. I'm talking about God's kingdom. Look at somebody and say, we're talking about God's kingdom. And I believe that we're in a defining moment as a church and as a nation. Say, we're in a defining moment. How many believe that? Am I the only one who believes we're in a defining moment? As an individual, as families, as a nation. And there is only one established foundation to rebuild on, and its initials are not DC. It's JC. Did you hear what I just said? That's almost quotable. I came up with that this morning. Number three, I didn't steal it. I did. It was from the Holy Ghost. I just stuck it in my pocket. I used it. Somebody, he's going to, don't get me for copyright infringement, Lord. Number three, God is up to strengthening us. God's way of strengthening someone is much different than I would try to strengthen someone. Me, I try to build someone up. If you want to build a body, you get in the gym, you work for it, you strengthen it, you gain muscle tone, you lose body fat, all of these things. You have a nutritional diet. You do everything that you know to do in order to strengthen the body to increase health. God does things very, very different. Maybe I'll describe it to you this way. The scriptures will, 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 will say it for itself. It's in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. And here's what the apostle Paul said. And least I should be exalted... Above measure by the abundance of revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me or to beat me up. Least I should be exalted above measure. Now watch this. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in what? My strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I most gladly will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Watch this. Therefore, I take pleasure in my infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses. For Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Do you know the way that God gets you strong and strengthens you? He creates weakness. I wish I had more hoopers in here. I said God will create weakness. For that person who's here who has to always know all the details, you will be the last person that God shares the details with. If you struggle in this place with patience, 
you will be the last person in line at Sam's Club. Because he's, he's, he's strengthening your, the, what the Bible describes as the inner man. If you're a man in here and you are a worker at heart and you pride yourself on being the provider and the sole breadwinner of your family, do not be surprised if God puts you through a season where you make very little. And God will allow you to go through these types of seasons over and over and over again. Do you know why? Because he's way more concerned with your character than he is your pleasures. So, so God's whole desire for humanity, this is God's perfect will. Are you ready for it? God has predestined us to be conformed into the image of his son. Before time began. And, and so if you're a church hopper, he will make sure this church doesn't meet your needs. He, he will make sure. If you like to sing a lot on the mic, he will put you on the praise team or he'll make you sweep or he'll just kind of create some, am I, oh, I know I'm preaching. You know, when they get quiet, I've been taught, no, I didn't go to cemetery, but I know through experience when it gets real quiet, we're, we're kind of hitting a nerve. If you like to be heard on the mic, you will probably be the last one who speaks. If you think you have gifting and talent until you come to a place where Paul did, where you get content in all things, then and only then are you usable for God's kingdom. Because he does not want us to be wrapped up in titles and giftings. He wants us to be wrapped up in him. And out of being wrapped up in him, and only when we are wrapped up in him, can the character of Christ, can the gifts of the Holy Spirit flow freely because he does, we are conduits. Touch somebody and say, you're a conduit. You're a conduit. God moves through conduits. We are conduits. We are containers. We are vessels, only vessels. The vessel cannot glory in its shell. It can only glory in what, what, what makes a, a, a pottery or what makes a vase valuable is what is put in it. Is what is put in it. And God will leave you on the shelf until you finally come to the, and it, sometimes, unfortunately, it takes 50 years for individuals. It took me, I thought I could preach early on, and the Lord sat me there for 10 years in the front row, would never give me a mic, until I said, I don't care if I preach another day. And then that's when he said, you're up. Why? Because he wants your character built into his image he doesn't want you to be moved by circumstances nor conditions. He wants you to be moved by his spirit. Do you hear what I'm saying? So, so God's way of strengthening is by creating a weakness. When I was in business, I've been in business for 20 years and counting. I almost quit at year 10. Do you know why? I was doing it all on my own. And in that moment, gladly, because... I, Okay, we're Southern, and we have what you call grit. Not grits. Grit. God gave me that grit. My mom worked three jobs. My father was a painter and a roofer. We, I've taken four. Maybe, uh, I'm not gloating. I just want to, can I just drive this point home to you? I've maybe have taken four vacations in my whole life, something like that, my whole life. We didn't, my, have you been in a plane, Mom? My eldest brother, who's 40-something years old, he works with me, uh, has never been in an airplane. Matt just went in an airplane for the first time a year ago, for the first time. We don't travel. We were born worker southern boys. It just We worked. And my wife, that's why he gave me my wife, Stephanie. Now she asked me to be home when the sun goes, you know, when the sun goes down. Like when mom told me, you know, when the streets are out, boy, you get in the house, you know, this kind, this kind of thing. So the Lord put her in my life so I didn't become a workaholic, right? So, so what God oftentimes does is, is he, he, he will use circumstances and other people. Did you know God will use other people? He might be using somebody right next to you right now. Come on, if you're married, don't look at them. Don't you dare look at them. 
I want to read this. Listen, I want to read this from the Passions Translation. Can I go a few more minutes? I, I want to drive something home this morning. Are you getting something out of it? Okay. Second Corinthians chapter 12, reading in the same, but I, but I love this poetic version. I'm a New King James guy. I like King, New King James. I love the way it's laid out. It's uh, power packed. However, the Passion Translation, it's the newest translation in the Bible from what I understand. It's very poetic. And he says the same thing that Paul did, but I'm talking about conduit. Say we're talking about a conduit. He says, so I am not defeated by my weakness. So he's admitting his weakness. But I'm delighted, exclamation mark, for when I feel my weakness and endure mistreatment, when I'm surrounded with troubles on every side and I face persecution because of my love for Christ, I am made yet stronger. For my weakness becomes a portal to God's power. For every man in here who struggles with pride issues, pride will ruin where God has put you. I've learned, I've, I'm learning and have learned much to stay low to the ground. Stay low to the ground. When I was in my study just before coming out, I'll tell you a story. Catherine Kuhlman, people who were behind the stage before she took the stage, you know, Catherine Kuhlman, she was very, you know, theatrical. Just in her tone and her demeanor, I love her. But when you would find her behind stage, they said you would find her in a puddle of tears. She learned this one thing, that her services would not be effective unless the Holy Spirit moved. She stayed low to the ground. She would say things like, Lord, let this be all of you and none of me. She used this phraseology, I die a thousand deaths before I take this stage. What does that mean? Dying to self, recognizing that we are nothing without him. We're yet but containers. So if you want to be elevated, get ready to be humbled. But if you are being humbled and you are in a humbled place, get ready to be elevated. Amen? And this is how kingdoms have risen and fallen all throughout history. When God chose one of the greatest kings, the first king in all of history, his name was King Saul. Everybody say Saul. And the Bible says he was handsome. He was tall. He stood head and shoulders above every man. And one day, God had to strip the kingdom from him. And the Holy Spirit, the Bible says that the Spirit of God left him. And you know what Scripture says? And this was God talking to him through a prophet. He says, when you were little in your own eyes, I blessed you. When you were little in your own eyes, I anointed you. And God stripped the anointing of him because pride got in the way. And do you know what I believe is happening in the United States of America? And this is applicable to our own personal lives. I believe that the Lord is allowing the scepter to be taken away from America as a one last ditch effort for America to humble herself. To humble herself so we can come to the place that even Solomon, excuse me, Samson came to. Do you remember when Samson was being chained up? God wanted to use him to bring a great awakening, to be a savior. But when he was dying, he was on those pillars and he said, Lord, give me your anointing one more time. You know what? I believe that's the moment that we're in right now is where America is saying, especially the church, Lord, give her strength just this one last time for a great awakening, for an outpouring of the spirit, for God to be able to accomplish what he desired before the beginning of time for America. And what does that mean? I used to hear sermons about the United States on Memorial Day and Labor Day and all of these things. But here's the thing. We represent the United States for the people, right? This is for us. God wants to, when he wants to do something in America, that means he has to do it first to the Americans and through the people and through its citizens. Amen? Somebody say, use me, Lord. In 1912, someone was noted saying that God himself could not sink the Titanic. It was noted. Somebody caught them saying, God himself cannot sink this ship. It's an unsinkable ship. I believe that many people thought that about the United States two years ago. The unsinkable ship. 
the strength of the world, the greatest military on the earth. But on the evening of April 15th, on its first and last journey, I have to note that unsinkable ship sunk to the bottom of the Atlantic Ocean, claiming over a thousand lives. And listen, here's what the Spirit of God said to me. Unless my people allow me to be at the helm, does everybody know what a helm is? Unless my people allow me to be at the helm, a helm is where the captain, it's like a captain's chair. Unless they allow me to be at the helm of the boat, once again, this ship will also sink. But here's the thing. This doesn't, this doesn't go to D.C. You make up the people. We're the ones who voted. We're the ones who defined what is good for our families and what is not acceptable on our TV screen. We decide whether we get together on Sunday morning to worship the God who built a strong America or not, and as a result, it creating a weak one. Come on, does anybody still believe that the foundations that we stand on came from the blood and the sacrifices of godly men and women who died on the front lines? God has to be the one at the helm or we're in trouble. And so here's what the scripture says, and I want you to stand to your feet. It says this, therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. In due time. He also said in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, if my people, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. Take the low road. Take the low road. If they will humble themselves. See how I stopped him a little bit? If they will take the low road, humble themselves. Look at somebody in their eyes and say, humble yourself. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek his face and pray and seek his face and turn from their wicked ways. Turn the Titanic. There's still time to turn, church. There's still time to turn. If we will turn from our wicked ways, then I would hear from heaven. And he would hear from he would hear us then. And then he would turn. If we would turn the ship, then he would turn. He would turn and then do what? I would forgive their sin. And I would heal their land. This is the answer to your marriage. This is the answer to your singleness. It's the answer to your business. And most of all, this is the answer to your relationship with Jesus Christ more than anything. If you will humble yourselves and turn. Do you remember that scripture I read to you in Micah? When we digressed and went to Micah chapter 3. He said, then they will cry to the Lord, but he will not hear them. He will even hide his face from them for a time. I love that it said that. Because the next chapter, it's like he just, the windows of heaven opened up. What once had a brassy heaven over a community, the brassy heaven was gone and God was pouring out his spirit. It says, but he, he would not hear from them for a time. But then, but then we fast forward all the way to 2 Chronicles and he's saying, if my people who are called by my name, I would hear them. When they pray and they seek my face, I would, I would turn and I will hear them. And I started thinking, why is God, thank you, Holy Spirit, I hear you now. He said, the reason why I'm not answering is because you're praying the wrong prayers. You're praying for things to return back to normal. Yes. I, 
hear you, Lord, so strongly. You're praying for things to return back to normal, but I don't want them to return back to normal, says the Lord. I want you to turn. I want you to pray. I want you to seek my face. And I will not relent, says the Lord, until I see a change in you. When I see the change in you, America, you will see a change in my approach. And then when you turn, I will turn and I will heal your land. God, forgive us for our selfishness. Forgive us for our selfish prayers and dispositions. Forgive us for asking you to bless us just so we can be blessed. Ultimately, we we should want to be blessed so that we can be a blessing because you want us to reflect your nature in the earth. And I, I pray for each and every one here, Lord, who is far from you this morning, that they would re- receive a new found love for you that they never have had before. I'm not going to lay my hands on anybody. I'm just going to pray and just release this over you. Holy Spirit, change our priorities. Change our perspectives. Rid us of our selfishness. We turn to you. You said if we turn to you, you would turn to us. And this morning, Lord, as a people, visitor or not, we turn to you, Lord. We want to follow you. We want to know you. We want to see the world, our families, our personal lives, and this church to reflect what Micah prophesied in the last days. But I pray that this morning it would start with bent hearts. One of the greatest revivalists ever known was a young man, 26 years old, by the name of Evan Roberts. And here was his prayer. And after he prayed this prayer, three months later, 100,000 people were saved without an Instagram, without a Facebook, without a Twitter, without any social media, really not even any TV. He said this, bend me, Lord. Bend our hearts towards you once again. Bend us. Bend us towards you because you are worthy of it all. You're worthy. You're worthy of our affections, worthy of our attention, worthy of our lives. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope this message impacted you today. If you'd like to support Ascension Christian Center, simply go to ascensionchristiancenter.com and click the gift tab or text ACCFL to 77977. Interested in hearing more? Check back weekly for new messages. Have a great day.